0: Amen. What a great way to start the service today. Do you appreciate the Christmas choir this morning? Lots of hard work. I I love the Hallelujah Chorus, and when I was in uh, Bible College, I actually uh, had the privilege of being part of that. I was in a a choir at Christmas time, and we learned that, and that is a very complex piece of music with lots of layering, lots of different parts. Some of of the times there's four, five, six uh, parts in it, and uh, man, it was great to hear that this morning, and uh, just, just a great way to kick off the Christmas season, we're starting a new uh, Christmas series today here at Oakwood called Christmas in the Chaos, Christmas in the Chaos, and maybe, maybe you can relate to even the title there, that might be, describe something somewhat of what your Christmas feels like sometimes. You know, I think for many people uh, growing up, uh, maybe as, as children, Christmas held this magic, didn't it? This meaningful season, and, and there was just some magic and some mystery with it. It was a time of gifts, it was a time of cheer, maybe as a child you remember your parents were in a better mood in in that month. But as we progressed in life, many of us have experienced disappointments, maybe, associated with this season. Maybe for some of you, you're experiencing for the first time a Christmas with the loss of a loved one. Maybe that's something that has been a part of your Christmas for many years, is the loss of a parent a sibling, uh, aunt, uncle, grandparent, or maybe a family friend, and that makes a season like this especially hard and maybe means something a little bit different for you. Or, Or maybe you're one of those people that have difficult family members and you dread seeing them this time of year as you all come together to celebrate something that's called the family Christmas. Or quite possibly, it's even something as simple as Maybe just the magic of the season that you remember that you built up in your mind for so many years that you remember the past being is something that Christmas doesn't seem to live up to today. And you might experience something called disappointment around Christmas time. And there's some good news here because you're not alone in that. In fact, I think all of us at some point experience a disappointment around Christmas time. And in the Christmas story, it seems. That every single person was touched. that was touched by Jesus' birth, by all the events that surrounded that. They dealt with some kind of hardship or some type of disappointment in their own way. And yet on the other side of that disappointment, a great miracle happened. A great miracle that brought great hope and peace and even joy to a special season. And today's, we're beginning this four-part series called Christmas in the Chaos. Over the next four weeks, we're going to read the entire Christmas story together, and we're going to examine each of the major characters in the narrative, and we're going to look at what did they have to endure to get to Christmas, and hopefully, we'll begin to see ourselves in these stories, as well as see opportunities for some of us with our own difficulties at Christmas time. And today we're going to be looking at the beginnings of the Christmas story in three passages. The first one is Mary's pregnancy being announced. The second one is Joseph finding out about the pregnancy. And the third one is Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to begin this morning. If you don't have a Bible, grab that Bible that's right there in front of you and turn it to page 855. And you'll be right there at Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 26. As always, you're invited to follow along in the app. And uh, Oakwood app has all of the uh, scriptures and uh, all of the uh, sermon notes in that. So Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. One of the first things I want us to learn this morning from uh, these Christmas narratives is that disappointments are opportunities to worship. Disappointments are opportunities to worship. Let me explain what I mean by that. You see, Mary's response to her pregnancy was a little surprising. If you look down at verse 38, even though her whole life seemed to be turned upside down, she responded at the end with pure faith and pure obedience. In verse 38, she said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. And scripture gives us that obedient response. But I think she may have had her moments, her moments of doubt. Do you pick up on maybe a little bit of hesitancy, maybe a little bit of questioning with some of her responses in the earlier parts of the passage, like verse 29, when an angel appears and says, hey, you're greatly favored. And it says, she was greatly troubled. In verse 34, when she actually questions the angel and says, well, how will this be since I am a virgin? You see, her life was forever changed. Her future, her relational status, her reputation in the community, they all now seem to hang in the balance. But she accepted The situation. But she didn't stop there. To her acceptance of the circumstances that the angel had presented to her, she also added faith. Faith that God would see her through. And because she added faith to her circumstances, that turned into gratitude. You think when you're given this kind of information, how you might respond. I mean, what are people really going to think around town when you go around telling people, hey, I'm pregnant (laughs) by the Holy Spirit? Maybe some of you can imagine your teenage daughter coming to you with that kind of news. What would you respond when your daughter comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant with a child from the Holy Spirit. An angel told me and you're like, yeah, right. How do you think that her parents responded? How do you think that Joseph would respond? We're going to read about that in just a minute. You can understand that this was a situation that was quite serious. And yet she got to choose how she would respond to it. And in her response at the end was worship. Skip down to verse 46 in Luke chapter 1 there. You see this, this Mary song of praise. We, we have referred to it for years called the Magnificat. And Mary said this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought them down from the mighty thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She says, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. And she responds to all of these new facts. She responds to all of her situation in worship. Have you ever had a time like that in your life? I remember a time like that in Amy and I's life when Abigail was born. And if you were here at Oakwood at that time, you might remember that she had several eye surgeries and eye conditions and um, I, I remember uh, just as a parent um, feeling very desperate as you hand over your baby that doesn't take care of themselves, that can't communicate to you what hurts, and when you take that child and hand them over to medical people that you trust and that you're, you're, you're glad that uh, God has given them that knowledge, but to hand over your child and to say, we'll see you in a few hours after we uh, tried to do some surgery on her eye, um, how that can be something that's very trying. Disappointing to say the least, a circumstance that you don't want to have in your life. And yet I remember it was after the second time that we had to do all this process in Oklahoma City and hand her over again as an infant uh, to have surgery that uh, I remember Amy and I uh, having a great peace come over our hearts, that God is in control, that, that Abigail was his child before she was ever our child, and that he's going to watch over her, and that he's going to take care of her. And I remember getting in the car with Amy and, and turning on the Christian music station and having worship songs that we were familiar with uh, come on the radio, and we're just, we're just singing, and we're praising the Lord. Disappointing circumstance, something that we didn't want, something that, that was uncomfortable for us, and yet we chose in those moments to worship to remember that god is good to remember though even all of these things didn't seem like they were our plan for our life or didn't seem like they were really really positive that god's still good that he's still on the throne that he still loves us that he's going to take care of us and some of you need to remember that message this christmas and not only at christmas but always that god is a loving heavenly father and even though your situation your circumstances in life no matter how disappointing they might be remember that god is good maybe choose to worship him someone after first service uh, brought up a great point they were reminding me of the song we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the lord some of you have been christians for a long time been in the church for many years you might remember that song we bring a sacrifice of praise what is a sacrifice of praise exactly And the way she related it to me is she said, I think a sacrifice of praise is when you don't feel it, when you don't feel like praising. But you're going to praise him anyway because you know he's good. And you know that scripture doesn't say that maybe he's going to remove every circumstance and give you a life of ease, but the scripture does promise that he will get you through it. Mary here, that was her response. It was a response of praise. It was a response of worship to God Almighty. And even when we don't feel like worshiping, because we're full of fear, and we're full of questioning in our hearts and in our minds, that is a viable option to believers, because disappointments offer us a chance to get closer to God. Amen? Disappointments offer us a chance to get closer to God in a way that we couldn't without Him. And I think some of the greatest work God wants to do in our world and God wants to do in your life and in mine, that it comes about because believers make a proper response when disappointing circumstances come their way. God is no less God, he's no less on the throne, and he's no less good when your situation goes bad. And in those times, you can choose to worship instead of complain or even loathe your situation. We get to be a part of some great things and some great work that God does not only in us, but into those who surround us. We have the opportunity to worship Him with our words. We have the opportunity to give to others. We have the opportunity to love people around us right where they're at. And that they could see our faith grow in a loving and a mighty God. That He'll get us through whatever it is. Just like He promised to marry. And on the other side of that situation... There might be for us some great hope, some great peace, some greater joy. second passage I want to look at this morning is found in Matthew's gospel. So if you're in Luke chapter 1 in your Bible, turn back two books to the book of Matthew. Chapter 1, right at the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin there in verse 18. And this is the story of Joseph. Joseph finding out about... Mary's pregnancy. Now, uh, put yourself in that situation for a moment. You are engaged, um, even at a deep level of engagement. A betrothed is what the scripture says here. Uh, The way it was in that culture uh, was that this the parents had already talked. I mean, this was pretty much a done deal. They just had not consummated the marriage. They had not lived together, Uh, but they are in a betrothal period, and that means they're absolutely dedicated to one another, that they're going to be married um, and come together very, very soon. And then here we are, Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, that's cleaned up language, you know what they're talking about there, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Well, let's pause there for a minute. Being a just man... Being a man with hopes and dreams, and being a, a man who had his life planned out, he had a great career as a carpenter. Uh, he was uh, coming into a, a time where it seemed like all of his hopes and all of his dreams were finally coming together. You know, he, he's going to have a Mary, who he he loves, and take uh, take her to be his wife, and 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 he is in purity uh, pursued this the way God intended, um, and everything is going great. And then he finds out that she's pregnant i wonder how that conversation went when mary comes and says hey joseph so <laughs> an angel of the lord appeared to me and told me that i'm i'm pregnant and i know now physically i can i can feel the changes going on in my body i'm i'm pregnant and but i'm pregnant by the holy spirit and i want you to know that and of course joseph probably like mary's parents and everyone else in nazareth just said yeah right And he was a just man, and I believe he loved Mary. And he said, "You know what? It's ruining my life. I'm not going to go forward with this. But I, I love her. I'm not going to drag her name through the mud. She's got enough in this this village of Nazareth. She's going to have a hard enough time. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to break this thing off." And then in verse 20 it says, "But as he considered these things, these thoughts, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream." Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The second part of the Christmas story, the second thing that I want us to get out of this this morning is that disappointments are opportunities to trust God more. Disappointments are opportunities to trust God even more. Joseph discovered his fiance is pregnant. The only rational explanation that he could come up with was that she had dishonored him and had dishonored their promise to be married, that she had been with another man, and he had lived this godly life, he had been pure up to this point, and things were going so good, but then the news came, it seemed to derail his future, and it would have been natural to take the easy way out, he could have drug her through the mud, broke off the engagement, that was actually his right under Jewish law. And even when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and told him this was God's plan, it didn't change the reality that everyone outside of the situation was going to be looking at it one way. Everyone in Nazareth and all of even their family was going to look at this one way. I mean, who is really going to believe that the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was going to bear the Son of God? You see, all of his hopes and all of his dreams and all the progress he had made in his life to that point seemed to be dashed. Everything he had dreamed of seemed to be lost. And yet, his response from the passage is that he chooses to trust the Lord. He chooses to trust the way of God. I thought about this in Scripture and I thought of many characters in the Bible That choose to trust the Lord. Going back, clear back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, you know the story of Abraham. Abraham is promised a worldwide blessing that all of us are going to be blessed through him, a nation, a people. But God begins that covenant in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. He says that Abraham, you're going to leave your father, your people, and the land that you've known your whole life. And you're going to go over here to this other land that I'm going to show you. You leave all your comfort, you leave all the plans you had, everything you thought you knew. You're going to leave that to go over here. And how does Abraham respond? Trust. God says that I will make your name great, and I will make you a blessing, and all of the world will be blessed through you. Even foreshadowing of Jesus to come through the lineage of Abraham, way way back in Genesis 12. You think Abraham understood that fully? Probably not. But yet he chose to trust the Lord. You think of another Bible character. What about another Joseph in the Bible? You remember Joseph, his coat of many colors? His jealous brothers throw him in a pit, sell him to slave traders that are moving to Egypt. He ends up in Egypt as a servant in Potiphar's house. And yet he is so well trusted and is so wise beyond his years that potiphar elevates him to run his household and yet potiphar's wife makes a play for him makes a false accusation against him and joseph loses everything and ends up in prison think there was some disappointment in his life maybe his family sells him out he works his way up to a house in egypt and he ends up in prison on a false accusation And yet, we see that Joseph trusts the Lord. And if you know the rest of the story of Joseph, that he actually works his way up in the government of Egypt to become second in command over all of Egypt. And God does some amazing things in the story of Joseph's life. But when it was bad, and when it was tough, he chose to trust. And then there's the story in the Bible of a man by the name of Job, you ever read the book of Job? The cycles of dialogue between friends trying to explain God's plan for their life. I mean, you talk about someone suffering some disappointment. I mean, all of his kids are gathered at a party. The house collapses and kills all of his kids. He loses his job. He loses his, his, his money. He loses all of his estate. What he's really left with is a nagging wife. And if you read the scripture, you can read it right there. And you wonder, this nagging wife and these three Christian friends... Trying to give answers. Job, what did you do wrong? Job, was it your sin? Job, what was it? And they're searching for answers. I love what Job says in uh, chapter 12 or 13. Job says, even though he slay me, I will choose to follow him. I will worship him. Even though the Lord takes all these things away from me, I'm going to choose to follow him. I'm going to choose to love him in spite of all of that. I'm going to choose to trust the Lord. You know, Job never really got an answer to why these bad things were happening to him. But he did get his life restored toward the end of the book, and he chose to trust the Lord. Trusting God's plan for you at Christmas and really any other time of the year in your life is not letting the outsiders determine your direction. Joseph had to make that choice. You don't let the opinions and the pressures of culture influence because this needs to be a time where you can be set free to trust the Lord and trust whatever His plan is. Trusting God sometimes means that we trust Him more and capture our runaway minds and our thoughts and our fears and reign them in under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, Joseph in the Christmas story May have, may have felt that all the progress in his life toward a godly marriage was gone. And from an outsider's perspective, it surely looked that way. But we know that it wasn't. We need to trust God's plan for our life. And if we've bought into some outside vision for our life or some pressure from the culture of, oh, this is what your life is supposed to look like, we can actually put a stop to that. A few weeks ago, I mentioned, you know, it's, it's why I don't enjoy uh, Facebook, you know, because Facebook a lot of times is fake book. It's fake book because people lie about their lives, try to make them seem better and make you jealous, right? Sometimes same thing with Instagram, it's insta-lie, you know, it, you look at that stuff, it, it leads you to no place good. But we can choose to model our life, not after culture, not after the world, but after God's plan. And even if we feel like, man, the progress I was making, everything that I was working for is then taken away, we can choose to trust the Lord regardless of appearances and regardless of the circumstances because that's what Joseph did. The next part I want to read is back to Luke's gospel. So if you're in Matthew, now you're going to turn back to Luke right where we were before. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses 39 through 45. Luke 1, 39 through 45. And this is about Mary and her uh, visit to her cousin Elizabeth. Luke 1, beginning with verse 39, it says this, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. That means she hurried into the hill country to a town in Judah, And she entered the house of Zechariah and she greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You see, when you read the story of Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth, it's easy to believe that she had left home maybe to hide out. You know, maybe she was just beginning to show and the changes were happening to her body and she was afraid about what everyone in Nazareth would say. And so she said, you know, maybe maybe her original plan was, I'm just going to go see my cousin Elizabeth until this whole pregnancy thing is over. But based on geography, based on travel back in this period of time, it's unlikely that Mary was very far along in her pregnancy when she went for this visit. Instead, it's much more likely that she went to visit her cousin because they were experiencing something similar and she needed a word of encouragement. You see, Elizabeth's pregnancy was also a miraculous event because she who was called barren and she who was old in age was also given a son. And then you look down at verse 56 in Luke chapter one, it says and Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Mary visiting with Elizabeth, I think, was a source of encouragement to both of them. And disappointments are opportunities to encourage others. Disappointments are opportunities to encourage others. Elizabeth felt her baby in her womb leap for joy. This indicated a very significant moment for both her and for Mary, and that helped to confirm what Mary had indeed heard from the angel. Can you imagine what an encouragement that might be? Sometimes when we go through circumstances that are similar, we can relate to people in a very, very special way. I wonder if you have ever seen this before. You ever seen when former presidents of the United States are on a platform together? And and, and maybe you've had, you know, the, the current administration with the one that was just passed, the one before them, the one before them. Sometimes maybe four or five terms of the presidency are standing on platform together. And something that I always think is so weird is how... Almost hateful they can be in elections, because they oppose views, they oppose uh, party platforms, um, even morals and values and even core beliefs are completely different. And one party's in power, now the other party's in power, and they've probably said horrible things. I mean we've heard some of these things, horrible things that they've said to one another. And yet, have you ever noticed? When they get on a platform, they shake hands and maybe even pat somebody, maybe even give each other a hug, and it's like there's just some kind of unity that happens with them being there together. You know, it's customary for the outgoing president, when the new president comes in, for him to write a letter and to leave it in the Oval Office in the desk with some words of encouragement and advice for the new president. And I've thought, well, I wonder what that looked like, Obama leaving a note for President Trump. (laughs) And yet, you may not have had the opportunity to see those two on platform, but it's going to happen. And it's amazing how, when those presidents, even though they're opposed views and they have something in common, there's only a handful of people in the world that know the stress and duress and what that job is really, really like. And because of that common bond, because of that common unity, it's an encouragement to stand on a platform and and to talk to and have as a resource to to talk to some of those presidents. Even though their views are opposing and maybe they don't even believe the same thing about some core issues, they have this common bond that they can stand there together and encourage one another. I think that's exactly what happened with Mary in her visit to Elizabeth is you have experiences in your life that other people can relate to, but they're unique to you. They're unique to your circumstances. And those experiences create a point of commonality that very few people will understand. You see, disappointments can become opportunities for us to relate to someone in a way that is uncommon for most other people. Similar experiences can often unite even those who are very, very different from each other. You see, sometimes disappointments aren't as much about the way that we feel. They're not as much about the situation and the way that we feel that situation is. Maybe they're actually something God wants us to use to accomplish His purposes. It's why I truly believe in my heart that God never wastes a hurt because when you're going through your circumstance, God might be preparing for you to cross paths and encounter someone that has been down that same path and they need they need encouragement. They need somebody to tell them that as long as you stay with the Lord, this is going to be okay. You're going to get through this, you're going to be able to withstand this. When we can relate to someone like that in love that has had a similar experience, we can find great encouragement there. And sometimes you might even be able to become a point of healing for other people which can ultimately lead them to a deeper relationship and a deeper faith in God as well. You see, we all experience disappointments. Maybe at Christmas, maybe at other times too. And even those God is using to fulfill his perfect plans on the earth, yes, even they experience disappointments. But I want to say to you this morning that disappointments don't have to mean setbacks. They don't have to mean backsliding. They don't have to mean that your faith is being taken from you. No, I think sometimes disappointments are tools. They're tools that God uses. Many people get stuck in the disappointments and the pain of life, and that seems to be all that they can focus on, but what if God is just using that as a tool to grow something greater and deeper in you? And as believers, we have this opportunity to channel all of those conflicts and troubles and trials and tribulations we go through in life and to channel them into a bigger purpose when we submit our disappointments to Him. And we do that by worshiping, by trusting in Him, by encouraging others with our own experiences. We not, over, we not only overcome the disappointments in life, but we can glorify the Lord. We use disappointments as fuel instead of failure. And I'm sure that as you read the beginnings of this Christmas story, it seemed like there was a lot of failure there. Teenage pregnancy for an unwed mother a betrothed that wants to walk away from it all. And yet, it's through all of the disappointments. You didn't find failure there. You found hope. You found love. You found joy. And you found peace. When we choose to love, to put our faith in, and to trust the Lord.